0: today and we see such a beautiful day a warm day father we're reminded of your grace your mercy your glory father that you have put us on a beautiful planet father that we may be able to enjoy life especially a life that is given over to you and that celebrates you father when we align ourselves to you and we see you as being god of our world and god of our of our everyday lives lord then it it attunes us and aligns us in such a way with our community and with our friends and with our family and with our world, Lord, that we experience real joy and real peace. And so, Father, it's our prayer this morning that we would do just that. Father, one of the ways that we can accomplish that and one of the big steps that we can take is to be able to just go to you and ask for forgiveness for any sin that's in our lives. Lord, it's really easy for us to skip over that step, for us to just come to church and just sing songs and be excited. But, Father... You want us to be able to go to you to speak and to receive forgiveness. And so, Father, we're going to do that just right now, each of us individually. We're just going to take a moment, go to you, ask for forgiveness. Let's do that. And Father, forgive us of those things, Lord, and as we come here this morning, Father, may we experience your glory every day of our lives. Lord, I know that we struggle, that we go out into a world that's broken, a world that doesn't really like you very much, Father, and Lord, yet at the same time, we know that grace abounds if we only reach out to you, Lord, if we have you in our lives. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for your glory. We thank you for life. We thank you for creation. Father, we, above all else, we thank you, or a With all else, we thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord, that could come in and dwell each of us, Father, drawing us closer to you. Father, we pray for the power of the Spirit in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Eighty-six years of banging our heads against a big green wall, but we finally did it. That part you know. That part everybody knows. But I got a story you don't know. It's about this schoolteacher friend of mine named Ben. This is him, back in 1980 when he was a kid. The little guy was going through a tough time. His parents had just got divorced and his mom dragged him up here to Boston where he didn't know nobody. One day, Ben's mom says, enough moping around, and she calls her brother, Carl, to take him somewhere, anywhere, just to get the kid out of the house. Uncle Carl didn't have any children of his own, so he wasn't exactly what you'd call kid-savvy. I'm not gonna have to change him or anything, am I? Carl, look at him. He's seven. You dope. Come here. Carl wasn't the kind of uncle who was gonna take you to the circus or the zoo or a puppet show. But he did know the greatest place to bring any kid. The heart and soul of Boston, Fenway Park. That was also the day I met Ben, the pretty boy with the glasses. That's me, Al Waterman. I sell sponges. That's the green monster, kid.
0: Monster?
1: Yep. I taught the boy what I knew about the game, and Carl taught him what he knew. Hey, Simba, you idiot! What are you batting this bum lead off for? Well, Dwight Evans parked a couple homers, the Sox won, and by day's end, poor Ben had become one of God's most pathetic creatures, a Red
0: Sox fan. And that's where the story begins. Well, you know, it's very easy in our culture to say things like, I was born a Raiders fan, right? Or I was born a 49ers fan. Or we think back and, yeah, right, Ramirez, And we think back to uh, when, we are, when we're growing up, and a lot of things that we experience you know, influence us or change us, or we become really devoted to certain things. I mean, I was reminded this week, I heard that, uh, I don't, I'm not a basketball fan, so if you're a basketball fan, you just have to help me here. But uh, the, the, the Tar Heels won the championship or whatever, right? And so, I know, I'm just displaying my ignorance of basketball, but they won the, they won the championship. My wife went to college at UNC Chapel Hill, and uh, she's a Tar Heel, and so she annoys me with that all the time, especially when they win some kind of unimportant sporting event like the, uh, the basketball championships. And uh, But their fight song, though, as I was thinking about this week, is what? That you're Carolina Tar Heel born and bred, right? And so we talk about the thing of being, what it means, and we talk about us being born and us being devoted to our teams and devoted to certain things in our lives. We may say that we're born American. We may say that we're born this, we're born that. The problem is, is that, as we know, that's a euphemism, right? We didn't come out of our mama's womb with a Raiders shirt on, Right? No, I, it, I don't care how much you think it did, it didn't happen, right? And so the thing is, is that in the same way today, we're going to talk about this issue um, of being born Christian. Because one of the problems and one of the challenges that we face in our world is that lots of people think that we meet, they will assume that they were born Christian. And so we want to talk about this idea because we're going to sort of explode this idea this morning because it's a real problem for us who want to be able to share the gospel with other people. So here's our special topic, just a one-week thing. Um, We're going to try to understand the occurrence of salvation, all right? We're going to talk about salvation. We're going to talk about being a Christian. We're going to talk about several of these other things um, here this morning. Here's our problem. Let me just put it very clear. Here's the problem, and many of you, by the way, may have experienced this as well before. Here's the problem. When we meet other Christians, we may, at some point in the conversation, ask, so when did you become a Christian, right? And what happens is, in many cases, a lot of them will respond, how? They'll say, oh, I've always been a Christian, right? Now, as a pastor, then that makes me put a big question mark in my mind, right, because I know that somehow that's not really going to be accurate. We're going to talk about that, right? Or they say, oh, I've been going to church since I was a child, or I was baptized as a child, or these other things, right? And the problem is, as we're going to talk about, is that there is cultural Christianity, or just the culture of being a Christian. And then there's actually what the Bible calls being a Christian, actually being a follower of Jesus. And so what we want to do here this morning is distinguish between the culture and actually being a follower of Jesus, and why that's important for us as well. So here's the question. Can someone be born a Christian? Can they just follow their family tradition and be a Christian? Or is it a little bit more complicated than that? Well, we're going to talk about this. We're going to see what the Bible says in Acts 16, um, verses 22 through 34. It's going to be up on the big screen. And at the same time, um, you, know, you can turn in your Bibles as well. The thing about this passage is this passage is not anything special. It's not anything unique. This is, there's tons of examples like this throughout the Bible. This is just the one I picked at random here. Acts chapter 16 Verses 22 through 34. Okay, this is a story from the early church, and this involves a guy named Paul and a guy named Silas. And they're out there telling people about Jesus, how they can be followers of him, how they can have a relationship with God through Jesus. And what happens is is that people start believing in Jesus, okay? They start believing in God. They start putting their hope in God instead of things of the world. Well, what happened? People started, quote-unquote, going to church rather than going to the casinos or the you know whatever the case may be, right? And then the people that owned those businesses got mad because they felt like the church was taking people away from them. They were losing money. So they did what any good business people would do. They formed a mob and tried to beat them to death, right? Right, okay. So here's where we pick up the story. So a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods, right? Not fun. So they were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks, right? So basically, to make sure there's no way they can get out of there. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, So he drew his sword to kill himself because he thought, you know, my name is going to be mud, I'm going to be worthless in life, I'm just going to do the honorable thing, I'm going to kill myself, right? So Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself, we're all here. So the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Because number one, there's a miracle of the earthquake and the prison being broken open but then there's the greater miracle which is that everyone didn't run out of the prison when they had the opportunity right so if you imagine san quentin you know an earthquake all the prisoners staying in prison right not really yeah, okay right miracle right okay so then he brought them out and asked paul and silas sir what must i do to be saved now i want to pause on this for a minute because the problem is the world's view and definition of saved is not really the biblical view let's talk about this The the word saved in the the Bible means have salvation, okay? The problem is is that there's no English word for have salvation. You can't make salvation a verb. If you could, this is what it would be, right? You can't say I'm salvified or I'm salvied or something like that, right? It doesn't exist in English. So the problem is people put the word saved in there. Why do they put the word saved in there? Well, because the other idea of salvation besides the biblical idea of salvation that most of us are familiar with although this is also a biblical idea, is the fact that salvation in the ancient world was when someone came and rescued someone who was in immediate peril. So for example, let's say CJ you know, is at school and some of the middle schoolers are getting ready to beat him up, right? And Rich and I, we go grab a bunch of guys and we run down there and grab him away from the middle schoolers and we rescue him from imminent peril. That would be salvation that would be saved that's the idea in the biblical sense here so what happens is in our world people use this word saved to say oh you're religious oh you're this oh you're that no it just means that we know our lives are in peril and god came and rescued us and that's what salvation is okay so what he's saying is sir what must i do to be saved we're going to talk more about that in just a minute though they replied this way believe in the lord jesus and you will be saved you will be rescued along with everyone in your household And they shared the words of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them, Paul and Silas, and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Again, believed is really the wrong word here. There's no word for have faith as a verb, but they put their faith in God. That's what they did. All right, let's talk about this. We have two ideas and some implications that we're going to work through here this morning. First of all, the first idea is that we cannot be born a Christian, okay? This is one of the hardest things for many of us to understand, and even not just us, but the average person out there. Here's the problem. Again, when we meet people in our world, a lot of them, as we encounter them, will say something like, yeah, I'm a Christian, you know, okay, yeah, you know, I'm, you know. And what they mean by that is, is that when they go to the hospital... And the guy, the nurse asks them and says, hey, are you Muslim, Hindu, atheist, or Christian, or Buddhist, right? I know there's other things too, but they'll ask four or five things, right? And you say, uh, I'm a Christian, right? Maybe a lot of people that you know, they were baptized as a baby. We're going to talk about it in a minute. Um, maybe they you know, went to church at Easter three years ago, and so they're, they're not really an atheist. They believe in God, but they just weren't Christian, right? The problem is, is that this is not a biblical idea of what a Christian is, and there are many people out there in our world who are unaware or blissfully ignorant that basically they're living their lives checking the box for cultural Christianity, but never actually having a relationship with God. Let's talk about this. We cannot be born a Christian. Let me give you why. At birth, we come into the world at odds with God. Okay? This is really, really, really critical because the problem is is that every single one of us, when we are born into the world, we do not get born into this world with a Raiders jersey on. Right? At some point in time, we choose to put on that stinky jersey, right? Or you could choose the 49ers or whatever, right? We choose to put on that jersey, right? And in the same way, we don't come out of our mama's womb as a Christian. We come out just as a person, just as a child, just as a baby. Who, at some point in time, as we're going to talk about in a minute, will have to choose or reject God at some point in their lives. The reason why we all come at odds with God is for this reason. Is that, oh, let me just mention. Romans 3 says, For everyone is sin, we all fall short of God's glorious standard, right? So the problem is, at some point in time in our lives, we all sin, okay? Now, I know that I've tried, you know, at times past when people have children, you know, I'll joke, wow, you know, they're really sinful you know, and uh, man, they get really mad with that joke, right, being their kids like two or three, and they're like smacking their parents around, and I'll say, you know, just to, to make the point of the fact that, that we choose to be disobedient, we choose to be rebellious, and they don't like that, right, they take it the wrong way, but when we look at our own kids, right, we see the brokenness that comes into their lives pretty much the moment they jump out of the womb, right, they don't jump out of the womb saying, woohoo, daddy, I'm going to do whatever you say, mama, I love you, and I'm going to obey every word and until I am 18 and leave the house right? They don't do that, right? They come out of the womb kicking, screaming, fighting, and wanting to do their own way from the get-go. Well, that's what sin is, right? I mean, when we tell God we're going to do it our way rather than your way, God, that's, that's what sin is. That when we do what we want, when we rebel, when we're disobedient to what his plan in our, our lives, it's no different than our kids doing the very same thing to us, right? So the thing is, is that when we come out of the womb, we have that brokenness in our lives. Here's the really cool thing. Because I know that so many different people from BBC come from so many different traditions, right? I mean, people come from Catholic, they come from Orthodox, they come from, uh, you know, Protestant, mainline Protestant, Pentecostal Protestant, they come from non-denominational, they come from all things. But here's the cool thing, all Christians' traditions agree that no one is born with faith. No one is. No one is born with faith. Now here's the thing, occasionally I'll meet people who, uh, who come from traditions that have baby baptism. We're going to talk about that in a second. But if you will look into their traditions, Catholic, Presbyterian, whatever the case may be, they will tell you, if you want an honest answer, that does not make you a Christian. It does not make you a Christian. Now, some of them may see that as part of the salvation experience, and we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. But it still doesn't do it. So my, my, my statement holds water that all Christian traditions agree that no one is born with it, right? No one is born with it. At some point, somewhere along the way, we must do something. And I know the word do is the wrong word. But we, something has to happen for us to be a follower of Jesus, right? It, there has to be something. Let me say it this way. Since all Christian tradition, from Roman Catholic to Orthodox to Protestant to non-denominational, everyone that's legitimate, affirm original sin, which means that we all come into the world of disobedient to God rather than being obedient to him, All traditions stand united that one cannot be born a Christian. Now, why do I mention this? I mention this because some of you will go into your workplace, you'll go with your friends, and you'll say, hey, you know, I go to this Berryessa Valley Church place or whatever, and, uh, you know, I know that you, you you know, you say that you're a Christian. I'm just, you know, wondering to share with me a little bit. I'll share with you, you know, what God's doing in my life. And they'll say, well, you know, I'm a Christian. And you'll say, well, when did you become a Christian? They say, well, I was, you know, since I was a kid, I've been going to church, but I don't go to church now. But that's okay, I'm a Christian, right? And, uh, and, and then the problem is you say, well, you know, but, and they say, oh, you don't understand because I'm Catholic, or I'm Protestant, or I'm this, or I'm that, right? So I want everyone in the room to be clear because that's just a smokescreen. That doesn't matter, right? All Christian traditions... If you go back to the, the, what they teach, now I can't say for every church, because there's good ba- Baptist churches, there's bad Baptist churches. There's good Pentecostal churches, there's bad Pentecostal churches. There's good Roman Catholic churches, there's bad Roman Catholic churches. There's good Orthodox churches, there's bad Orthodox churches. I can make a whole long list of churches that say they're like BBC in San Jose that I would never recommend anyone to go to. And then I can make a list of others in San Jose that I think are really good churches as well. And so the problem is it's not about what the individual person may say. you got to go back and look what the tradition teaches. But at the same time, the, the point of this is, is that everyone that you meet that claims to be a Christian needs to understand that it doesn't matter what tradition they're in, they still have to do something, again, quote marks around do, to be a Christian, right? Here's where the problem comes in. This is where the problem comes in. First of all, the word Christian doesn't exist in the ancient world, right? Because people didn't use that word. They didn't think of themselves as being culturally a Christian, right? A lot of times you hear people get into debates. Is, the, um, is America a Christian nation or is it not a Christian nation, right? And to me personally, I think that's a useless debate to a large extent. The reason why I think it's a useless debate is because when they use that word Christian, a lot of times they're defining it culturally, right? I mean, there's a lot of people who I'll meet who say, well, I'm a Christian because my dad was a Christian or my grandfather was a Christian. But that'll make you a Christian, not in the biblical sense of the word, right? I mean, again, we'll we'll read the passage in just a second, but there has to be that choice. There has to be something as we're going to talk about in a minute like the jailer did. Here's the interesting thing. Here's what I think is interesting. The average person here is not going to tell you that they're a Christian because they know that they're not a Christian. What they're going to do is they're going to do what they've always assumed that they do, right? They're going to go through life, and because something happened somewhere in their life, they went to church on occasion, or they're just not Buddhist, they're just not Hindu, they're just not Muslim, they're just not any of these other things. They just check Christian because they were born in America, right? Or they were born into, you know, maybe a country where being a Christian was cool. Why is Christian, why is following Jesus radically different than any other faith out there? It's because there should not be cultural baggage with following Jesus. Now, what do I mean by that? It's because when I meet someone who's from Saudi Arabia, they are what? They're all what? Muslim, right? They're all Muslim. That's what they all are, right? They are Muslim because they are from Saudi Arabia. When I witness to someone who is a Muslim from Saudi Arabia, why, what is going to be the number one reason he will not become a Christian? Anybody know? Because his family will disown him because he will have to leave behind his whole culture, his whole Arabic culture. You cannot be culturally, you cannot be a Muslim and not be culturally Muslim. You know why? You gotta stop speaking English to a certain degree. You gotta learn Arabic, right? But following Jesus has no culture. That's the reason why you can live in Thailand and you can be a follower of Jesus. You can live here in America and you can be a follower of Jesus. Those cultural things don't matter. What matters is Jesus. What matters is our, our relationship with God that way. So the problem is, is that it's very easy for us to confuse cultural Christianity with following Jesus. And that's a very, very big distinction, right? Because we see lots of people on TV who say that they're Christian, and what they mean is, is that they mean that on their death certificate, when they have to check the box, their family has to check the box of where they want to be buried and what chaplain they want to show up, they want the Christian one to do it. They don't want the Hindu one to do it, right? But that doesn't mean anything. Think of it like this. Oh, well, let me get to the next segment, and then we'll think of it like that. Every person must choose or reject God. Let me just read the story again, because, and again, this is throughout the Bible. We can see this many places. Here's what happened. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill kill himself. Paul shouted, stop, don't kill yourself, we're all here. So he brought them out, and the jailer brought them out, and said, sir, what must I do to be saved? Okay, here's what he's asking here. He's asking, what must I do to have salvation? What must I do to be rescued by God from where I'm at in my life right now? What must I do to do what? To be a Christian, right? They didn't have that word then. What he was asking is, what must I do to be a follower of the way? That's the way they probably would have said it. What must I do to be um, right with God, right? That's what he's asking there. He's not asking saved and like he wants to be religious Or he wants to be of one sect or one group. No, he's saying, what do I need to do to be a follower of Jesus? That's what I want to do. And, of course, what does Paul say? Paul doesn't say, oh, you missed it because you had to be born that way, right? No. Paul says what? He says, believe in the Lord Jesus. Put your faith. That's really what it is, the verb faith there. Faith in the Lord Jesus, and you will be rescued by God. You will be a Christian. You will be a follower of the way. You will be a follower, a disciple of Jesus, along with everyone in your household, right? Now, later we know that their household also hears and also believes as well. Every person must choose or reject God. We each have to make the choice during our lifetime, right? I mean, we each come to this place where we're going to have a chance to know. Here's the problem, though. Many of us will know, know people or we will encounter people who do what? They are checking the box of cultural Christianity rather than checking the box of being a follower of Jesus. It's like this, okay? You meet someone, they're at work, you're talking to them, and you ask them, you know, uh, oh, you're a Christian too? Okay, well, cool. Well, when did you become a Christian? Well, you know, um, I, uh, I became a Christian when I was, uh, I don't know, you know, I was, I was born that way. I mean, my dad was a deacon in the church, and, you know, I went to church some when I was a kid. I don't really go much now, but, but I'm a Christian, right? And so the problem is, is that what's going to happen, is that when they pass from this world, they're going to stand before God, and they're going to be like, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus because my dad was a follower of Jesus, or I'm a follower of Jesus because, you know, uh, I, I'm, well, I went to church a little bit as a baby or, or something like that, right? But is that really sufficient according to the Bible? The answer is no. I'm going to give you a better example in just a second here. All right, this is what the Bible says in Romans 3. We're just taking the same passage and we're expanding a little bit. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, and this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. For everyone is sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. So we're made right, excuse me, we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus. And it's true for everyone, no matter who we are, no matter what background we come from, that's the way it works, right? What about baptism? Because a lot of times people ask about baptism, especially as a child. People come to me and say, well, Pastor, you know, I was baptized as a baby, as a Catholic. Doesn't that mean I'm a, I'm a Christian? No. And by the way, any honest Catholic priest will tell you the answer to that is no, too, right? now, they may, they, They'll say, well, it's part of it. You're, you're on the process. And I won't debate them on that. That's, that's fine. We'll leave it at that, right? But to just demonstrate it, because I think that all of us can be united very clearly on this issue because it's not that which causes us to be a believer. It'd be like this. It'd be like if if we come into this world, our parents baptize us as a child, right? And then we never do anything else again, and we pass from this world, and we stamp up. We see St. Peter, not really, but pearly gates, not really, right? We walk through, and God says, why should you come into my heaven? Why should you sit at my banqueting table? And we say, see, St. Joseph's church gave me a plaque when I was two days old. It says, I'm a Christian. I get in, right? But that's not really what the Bible says. So I'm not trying to downplay uh, child baptism. I'm just trying to say it's not, it doesn't cause someone to be a believer. The problem is, and sometimes people ask me, well, pastor, do you baptize? Do you do infant dedication? What do you do? We do infant dedication, and the reason why we don't do baptism, if anybody's ever wondered child baptism, is because I'm always concerned that a child will grow up feeling they have the I get into heaven certificate, right? And that's always a concern. People call BBC all the time. Um, and they say, hey, pastor, can you can you baptize my baby? And, and I always, and rarely do I do it, and the reason why is because here's my fear. I mean, I want to do it, right? But my fear is that I know what they'll do. They'll come in, they'll get a religious ritual or service, they'll put some money in the offering plate just to make sure that God's happy with them. They'll come up here, I'll dedicate them, they'll get their picture taken, they'll get their little plaque to take home, and then I never see them again, right? And I worry that that little child is going to grow up, and he's, on his desk, he's going to have that little plaque that, says on, you know, that he's going to read or she's going to read that says, on January you know, 12, 2009, I became a Christian at Berryessa Valley Church, right? And then he's going to stand before God or she's going to stand before God when they pass over and go, see, see, Pastor Douglas says I'm a Christian. Look, he did it here. He did it here. You've got to let me in. You've got to let me in, right? But, of course, the Bible all christian traditions teach that it is not about that baby baptism it is about some way us choosing to be a follower of god now i know that some churches will interpret that to mean you have to go to church you have to take sacraments you have to do this we won't debate that here but you still have to be a part of that covenant community to be a follower of god we as protestants we make the emphasis on decision and i think that clearly from the bible we see decision is very very important right I don't think covenant is not important. I think it's absolutely important. For those of you that grew up uh, Catholic or Orthodox or Presbyterian or some of the other ones, I think covenant is really important, right? I just think that there has to be a decision at some point in time in their lives. I know that there, you cannot go through life as a cultural Christian just checking the box to be right with God. So here's the thing. Uh, what about baptism, especially as a child? You know, again, I, there's nothing wrong with it. It can be, It can be fine, but... It's not about salvation. At that point, it's about your parents choosing for you to, because they want you to be a Christian. They want you to grow up in the church. They want you to do what's right, but it doesn't make it so for you. Let me put it to you this way. If your parent takes you to a psychiatrist when you're one day old and says, I want you to psychiatrize them until, so that they will be a psychiatrist when they grow up, is that going to work? Is it going to make them be a psychiatrist? No. No. Well, you can't take them to a priest or a pastor and baptize them and make them be a Christian because it doesn't work like that. The person still, that child will grow up and still has to deal with choosing sinfulness, which is what they're going to do. And then they have to either choose at some point in time to either choose to follow God or reject God. Here's my fear, because I know that you have friends and family members. I know that you have coworkers who have checked the box of cultural Christianity. They're a Christian because they were baptized at some point, they went to church at some point, their daddy was a deacon, their mama was a Sunday school teacher, whatever. But that is not sufficient. Again, we see that we have to put our faith in God, in the Lord Jesus, for us to have a relationship with God. I want to be clear, because all of us come from different traditions, and that's really cool. Um, you know, we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Most of the, all, all the legitimate traditions have something to offer the Christian faith, but all are united that we must make a decision for God at some point. Whether that comes through walking down the aisle or uh, some of the other ways that I'm not as keen on, it doesn't matter to me for today. What matters is that there has to be some time where you choose to be a follower of Jesus in your life. Now, here's the thing while different uh, i'm just going to recap here while different traditions place different emphases on baptism all agree that baptism is not salvation itself any legitimate christian group is never going to say that baptism is salvation itself many people are baptized as children and then think that they are christian But even the traditions that practice baby baptism don't believe that. Look, I've got plenty of friends of mine who are in Roman Catholic traditions, who are in Orthodox traditions, and they are fully devoted followers of Jesus. Now, I know some traditions it's harder, I think, today in 2009 to be a fully devoted follower. I'm not going to be dishonest with you here. I think there are some traditions... And I believe ours is one that is really trying to be biblical, okay? And I think that there, but like I said, there's good churches and bad churches and bad problems in, in all traditions, right? But I have friends of mine, in very different from traditions, who are fully devoted followers of Jesus, and if they were here today, they would say, absolutely. We don't agree with, you know, how you do, how you paint your walls. We don't agree with that you use projection system in there. We don't agree that you have stage lights. We don't agree that you wear jeans sometimes on Sunday morning. Whatever. Minor things, Right? But when it comes down to this, they would affirm wholeheartedly that you cannot be a cultural Christian and be right with God. You cannot do it, right? Here's the problem. We say something like this. It's kind of like saying, you know, that, um, that I'm, a, I'm a Christian uh, culturally, but I'm not a Christian in spirit. Because that's what we say when we just check the box. It's kind of like saying this. I'm a guy, but I'm not a man, right? But I'm, I'm both a guy, and I'm both a man, so for us to be a Christian, it means that we're not just culturally Christian, and really, culturally it doesn't matter, but that we are actually also fully devoted and following Jesus in our lives. Right? That's what it really comes down to. It's hard to imagine that the jailer woke up that day, saw the miracle of the of the prison falling, saw the greater miracle of the people not fleeing the prison, and said, "You know, I've been wanting to check a box up until today. I was a Hindu, um, but today I'm, I'm going to become a Christian." And uh, this i just want to check a different box right no okay again a lot of your friends and family members it's not that they intend to do it but they've been basically they don't understand they just never been taught this they don't realize they've never opened the bible read it for themselves they don't realize that it's not a culture but it's actually a choice it's a decision it's a something whatever word you want to use there something has to happen in them in their lives for them to be a believer so how do i know i really am a christian well that's a good question um you know there's, I was going to make a list, and I know some of you ragged me for lists, and that's fine. I'm, I didn't make a list on this one because I don't want to make a list because I don't think there's any one right way or wrong way. First of all, I think that we want to make sure this is clear in all of our lives, in our friends' lives and coworkers' lives, right? But we also want to not overplay this as well. Let me give you an example. It's really important that we actually have made a commitment to follow Jesus, that we're just not culturally Christian, right? That's really important. But it's also important that we don't freak out about this and some of you leave here today and be dispirited or confused. You know, when, when I, I grew up in, in Virginia, and that's sort of the southeast, and there's a famous um, pastor who is in the area. And he goes around to different churches. He's very well known, and his whole shtick—and it's kind of a shtick. I mean, he maybe he's just—I don't know what his problem is. But like I said, there's good and bad in every group, right? And his whole shtick is if you've ever doubted that you were a Christian, that means you you weren't a Christian. So you got to come down the aisle and be a Christian again, right? Now here's the problem with that, right? The problem is he does what? He draws huge crowds, right? Because everyone's doubted that they're a believer. I'm a believer and I doubt. I struggle, you know, because I'm not perfect, right? God has to prop me up. That's what the Holy Spirit does, right? Holy Spirit comes in and encourages me when I need encouragement, right? So the problem is he has all these people come down the aisle because they're misled thinking that, oh my gosh, I've doubted, so I must not be a Christian. No, that's hogwash, okay? So the thing is, is that it's normal for us to doubt. It's normal for us to struggle with this. It's not normal, though, for us to do what? to check a box and be uncaring about it. So we can say, how do we know that we're a Christian? Well, one way is is that there's some place or some time in our life that we can look back and say, yes, I said I do to God. At some point in my life, I said, God, I want to be a follower of Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. That's what I want to do. However... Let's be fair, because if we really look at the original language of the Bible, when the Bible used the word salvation, it doesn't always use it as a one-time decision. In fact, most of the time, the Bible uses the word rescue in the sense of a continuance, that God is continuing to rescue us. So a lot of times I have people who tell me, well, Pastor, I I know I'm a Christian, I know I believe, and I'm not saying that culturally, I know that I'm a follower of Jesus, but it happened so long ago, I don't remember when it was. Or I find a lot of people, especially intellectuals, what do they like to do? They like to nitpick, they like to think about things a lot, right? And they like to come into church and they like to really think about God's claims for a long time. And then somewhere between the first month they come into the church and a year after being in church, one day they just come up to me and they say, you know what, I'm a believer in Jesus. They don't say now, because it didn't happen that day. Somewhere in their thought process, they just made that decision. Maybe they can't name the day or time. To me, that's between God and them. There are lots of people like that. So I don't want to say you have to know the date and time because God works differently in everybody's lives, right? How else should we know that we're a Christian? Well, let me give you an example. I think that um, if we go through our lives and it doesn't bother us that God is not working in our world, it doesn't bother us that His will is not coming to pass, it doesn't bother us that there are homeless people. It doesn't bother us that there are people who are not believers. It doesn't bother us when we see brokenness in our world. That's a bad sign. That's a bad sign. That would be a sign to me that that maybe you're just checking or your friends or your family members are just checking the cultural box. Because it should bother you. The Holy Spirit in your life should just get under your skin from time to time because there's brokenness in our world, right? And you want to do something about it, which leads me to the other thing, right? When I see someone and they sit in church for 30 years and they never do anything for the kingdom, I really worry at that point, right? I really worry at that point because if God is in our lives and the Holy Spirit is alive, it should make us Freak out because we should want to get involved. We should want to do something. It doesn't have to be at church. It could be with again with crisis pregnancy center. It could be with missionaries. It could be homeless. Something it don't matter to me what it is, but it should energize us in some way. Now, see, here's the problem: the world beats us down and tries to convince us that no, we don't need to do this. Right? We don't. You know, we don't need to have to get involved. You know, you can't make a, a difference. But somewhere there should be a disquiet. You know what I mean? Disquiet, like a, a, a something unease in our lives. Because we're supposed to be, the, the, the Holy Spirit living in us and the world being against the Holy Spirit, there should be a tension there, right? There should be a tension there in our lives. You know, it really bothers me all the time. I'm just, I don't like to use myself as an example, but uh, in this one case I will. I mean, when I wake up in the morning, it bothers me because I want to know what, God, you want to do. Why is this, what can we do to, what, you know, I mean, does it have to be this way? what what do you want for what do you want bvc to do what do you want me to do right and so the thing is there should be a disquiet in our lives there should be an a, a, a unhappiness with the way things are because we want things to be different and i don't mean just because we think that there should be equality of something or other or anything a social issue per se but because god is calling us to live our lives to a standard of holiness and that we want other people to join us in that, right? I think another thing is, is that an example. If if your heart breaks to some degree for people who don't have a relationship with God, that's a good sign, right? I mean, if it bothers you that there, you have a friend or family member who's not a Christian, not because you want them to agree with you, but because you just want them to know the Lord, then that's also a reason, right? That would be things. So listen, I'm not trying to discourage you here, but there should be some of these things in your life. You cannot go before God according to the Bible and have a plaque that you got when you were two years, two days old. You can't go because you have a perfect attendance plaque from going to Sunday school. There has to be some type of decision, some type of movement, some type of the Holy Spirit in your life working for you to be a Christian, for you to be a follower of God, a follower of the way. All right, what are the implications? Real quickly here this morning, I know it's a little hot, so um, because the warmth crept in, right, and uh, we didn't kick on the AC, so... Feel free to jump up and down your seats or whatever. I'll jump up and down for you. Feels warm up here to me. So we must encourage people to believe. I only have one implication. I was going to do more, but because of time, especially our kids. Listen, again said it three times. Let me say it one more time. The thing is, is that lots of people check the box of cultural Christianity. They think that that is sufficient. They think that that's enough. They, they're not aware because they haven't read the Bible, okay? The problem is some of them will throw up smoke screens. They'll tell you, oh, you don't understand because I'm Catholic, or I'm this, or I'm that. Well, no, okay. You, they still may not want to talk to you because they're convinced that their tradition somehow, you know, we're not Christian or whatever. But the bottom line is, all traditions believe you have to do more that it's not just simply being born into this world and because you have some placard or your dad did something or anything like that that makes you a believer. Here's where it's really, really critical, though, for us, especially we must teach our children this. Here's the reason why, okay? The reason why is because a lot of times it's really popular in our world to say this, to say, well... We want to raise our kids, and we want them to be free to make their own decisions. We don't want to crimp their style, you know what I mean? So we're just going to let them make their, make their own choice about religion. I hear that all the time, especially in the Bay Area. Hogwash, bull, right? That's ridiculous. Let me give you an example, classic example, right? When your child is 13 or 14, they meet a drug dealer on the street, right? The drug dealer is going to say to your child, hey, I want you to think through whether you're going to take drugs or not. Go home, talk it over with your parents, come back to me, and make a good decision, and then I'll sell you the drugs, right? That's what they say, right? No, they don't say that. Why? Because all they want to do is convince your child to, to buy their product, to sell their drugs, okay? Same way with the rest of the world. It doesn't matter everything from Motorola phones to drug dealers whatever they just want you to have their product they just want you to buy their stuff and so the problem is is that their world is going to try to convince your children of what it wants your children to be you as parents have to convince your children yourselves okay you need to be able to teach them what is the right way so that then they can make that decision but if you don't teach them if you don't explain to them these things then they'll never have the they'll never have the ability to make this decision because they won't have the the choice really in front of them. They'll see cultural Christianity, you know, they'll see rules and regulations, and then they'll see having fun, going out and doing stuff, right? And they'll choose to have fun because they think cult- cultural Christianity is just a box that they check, they get the certificate, and they're all good, right? So, listen, I mention this because not only are the people here with kids, I mean, you know, I'd love for Wyatt to be a Christian, but he's not a Christian, right? He's not. I'd love for him to be, but he's not. I hope one day he'll choose. No, and I pray every, every day that he'll make that decision. But he's not. He hasn't done it yet, right? And so the thing is, is that all of you, besides the one that have kids directly, all of you know people who have children, you know people who, who are struggling with this issue. Encourage them. Look, you don't want to just go and do a ritual. You don't want to go and get a certificate. What you want to do is go find a church that will help your children grow into faith. Here's the problem. Let me just be honest. For about the last three months, we talked about this week at staff and in my family, and just a couple other things that was going on. I have been really discouraged, depressed is really the right word, depressed about the building, because the problem is the weight of trying to build this building has been tremendous, right? I mean, we don't have enough money, we don't have enough help, we don't have enough anything, right? And yet, at the same time, I know that if we're going to reach people with the gospel, it happens between zero and eighteen, right? I mean, I have a good friend of mine, Andy. Andy was a uh, was a uh, plumber. Uh, he was better than a plumber. I don't know what you call him. He's like an expert plumber. Worked for the city of Rockland, right? And Andy grew up, he grew up in a different tradition than the one we are. He went and got baptized as a baby and that was about it, right? And then his his, his uh, middle school kid came to, to Grace where I was a pastor at in New York, outside New York City. And he went home one day and said something like, Daddy, do you love me more or God more? And Andy said, well, I love you more. And his son said, well, that's good, but I love God more than you. So Andy said, well, wait a minute, this is, Something's wrong here. So he came to church, and, and by seeing his son become a believer in Jesus, he wanted it too. And now, you know, of course, he's, he works at uh, Grace. As the, he's the custodial engineer there. Uh, I mean, he's obviously more skilled than that, but he does that because he loves the Lord. And, and I was reading his testimony this week just thinking about Andy, and it's just a really, really awesome guy, a really good guy. And the thing is, is that it was because his children had heard about the gospel, and they were not jaded by the world. Look, I invited several people um, that are my neighbors, um, to church at Easter. And they're all in their 50s and 60s. Guess what they all told me? Well, they didn't they get mad, they didn't get upset, but they're like, oh, maybe I'll we'll come, right? Because they're jaded, right? When you get 50, when you get 60, you're setting your ways, you ain't gonna change. You're a cultural Christian, you've been a cultural Christian, that's what you're gonna do. And so I've been depressed because I wanna see this building built because we need to be able to reach people of all ages and all generations, but especially kids. Not because we want to manipulate them, not because we want to do anything, but because we want them to know the gospel where they could hear it clearly before they become jaded and then choose. When the drug dealer says do this and they hear and they know that the gospel says this, they have a real choice rather than a false choice of being a cultural Christian, some certificate on the wall that doesn't matter, and doing drugs or whatever the case may be, right? You know, this year we sent out 25,000 invitations for Easter. Right? Guess how far, for those of you who don't know, 25,000 invitations went from the church. 25,000 homes. Guess how far it went from the church? Radius. 1.6 miles. That ain't very far. Uh, I, I haven't met him yet, but there's a, a, there's a new church that planted this Easter in Rivermark. And they sent out 90,000 invitations, right? And they didn't really have many more people than us show up for Easter. A little bit, but, but, but not really that many, right? For 90,000 invitations. You know, how many people live in those radiuses? Hundreds of thousands of people live in those radius. Do you know how many churches, Protestant churches, let's just keep it simple, Protestant churches are within 1.6 miles of BBC? Two. As far as I know. There might be a house church somewhere that I'm not aware of, but two besides us, right? And both of them are smaller. Well, the first one is smaller than our morning service, 9.30 service alone, and the second one is smaller probably than this service, not counting the fact that we have three services, Right? We have our work cut out for us because there is a ton of people who are just checking the box of cultural Christianity and never realizing, never being aware, never knowing that God has more in store for their lives. And you know what? Our best chance of reaching them is when they're younger, not when they're older. Every year that they get older, the more they become jaded, the more they become convinced that that box is good enough for them. They're comfortable in that box. They're comfortable. I'm not a Hindu. I'm not a Buddhist. I'm a Christian. They're cultural in that box. But you know what? The Bible says that we have to make a decision. Just as the jailer, right, jail fell apart. Jailer said, what do I need to do to be a Christian? And he says, you've got to believe in the Lord Jesus. And immediately after, was baptized, right? And that's where it's all at. That's where it's all at because we need to be able to have relationship with God. And you know what? There's lots of people out there that you know that need to know that too. Let's just pray. Father, we just come before you this morning, Father, and we thank you that we are able to talk about this issue. Father, I pray for people this morning, Lord. first of all, there's anyone here who has never really made a decision for, for you, who have not a follower of Jesus. Father, I pray this morning that they would say, yes God, I want to I want to know you, I want to have the forgiveness of sins, I want you to rescue me, I want to, to be a follower of you. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I commit my life to you. But Father, we know that there's lots of people in our world who have checked the box, especially in our area, Lord. So many who just check the box and it's just a cultural thing. But Father, their lives, are there's no life there. And Lord, we pray that our folks at BBC would, through our life groups and through personal uh, sharing um, and through conversation and all, so many other ways, Father, would reach out to those people and let them know that, listen, To be a follower of Jesus, you have to actually get in the game. You have to actually do something. Father, Lord, we pray that they would come and make that real decision of faith. Lord, we pray that uh, for all the churches in San Jose, all the healthy ones, Lord, that you would just multiply, Lord, that you would just bring people into them. Father, we pray for a harvest here in San Jose. Lord, we pray that people would come and lay aside cultural Christianity and they would take hold of following you and being a disciple of you. Lord, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.